chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. It's under I who live. Uh, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our lesson this morning is actually the uh, first lesson I did while we were at camp, looking at the idea of me, the servant, and I kind of added there, me, the humble servant. We look at the idea of a servant throughout the Bible, we have to remember that service is something that is not to be looked down upon, you know. There are those in the world today who put the word servant or employee for that matter, and they want nothing to do with it. But as you look in the Bible, we find that to be a servant in a certain way that's pleasing to God is something that we want to be a part of, something that we want to do. And so this morning, I'm going to show what it means to be a servant as we find it described in the Bible. We begin, we begin by looking at what it means to be a servant. We want to first think about who we are to serve, because we're, not, we're talking about Christians and who we are, you know, if we're going to be a Christian servant, we have to serve the right person and serve, uh, that would be, of course, serving God. We must realize, we look at Galatians 2 again, this being our key text, that God must come first. We look at Galatians 2 and verse 20 again, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Talking about there, that the life which he now lives, as he will go on to say, in flesh, he is living for God. It's almost as if he says that he stops living, but Christ living in him. He goes on to say there in verse 20, In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, this verse really could be summed up in two words, at least in my opinion, that is, God first. Because that is, no doubt, at least part of what the Apostle Paul is talking about, that God must be first. We mentioned there how he is crucified of Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He's talking about how he has put away the old way of living, and that God and Christ are all that matters. He tells us there in verse 20, the life which I now live in the flesh, He's talking about the way which he now lives, how he's going about his daily life, he's living as he says there in verse 20. He lives by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He wants to be a servant of God. You know, we think about New Testament characters aside from Christ. Paul is probably one of the most, or probably the most, uh, thought of uh, character of the New Testament. And so when he talks about here how he is he has been crucified with Christ. The idea there, he is willing to join in with the sufferings of Christ, Christ, and to live in such a way that is pleasing to Him. Also, think about this as well as think about uh, serving God and being a servant. It involves sacrifice. It involves sacrifice. Not only must God come first, but it also involves sacrifice. Sacrifice sometimes means we sacrifice convenience. It means we sacrifice time. It means we may sacrifice even popularity. So we sacrifice convenience. It means sometimes we want to serve God and maybe we think, well, it's not very convenient because maybe on a Saturday afternoon I'll have to do other things. 
maybe during the week I like to do other things. There's always things we could be doing. And so we have to sacrifice convenience. We have to sacrifice our time. We have to also to sacrifice our popularity in the sense that even though we are serving God, it may not be viewed as being very popular. It may not be viewed as being something that people enjoy or accept. If we look at Acts chapter, uh, chapter 20, we're going to look at this key verse here in a second, but if you look at Acts 20, verse 17 through 24. Acts 20, verse 17 through 24, here the Apostle Paul speaking. And my new Bible has much smaller print, so I'll have to pick this up. Acts 20, verse 17 says, And from Miletus he sent, he sent, he sent Ephesus, he sent to Ephesus, and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said to them, Ye know from the first day that I came, came into Asia, that after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying away to the Jews, and how, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shewed you and taught, taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, knowing the things that shall, not knowing the things uh, that shall befall me there, saying to the Holy Ghost, witness, witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, or await me. You think about what he's talking about there in Acts 20, 17 through 23, as you read there. He talks about how he is serving God. Now, he has served God, and sometimes it means it caused him to brought the tears because of those whom he was trying to help. He talks about there also in Acts 17, Acts 20, brother. Now, he says there, in uh, verse 20, he says, Now, he kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shewed you, and have taught you publicly from house to house, and he told them everything they needed to hear. And as a result, verse 21, the Lord saying, Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about some of the things that he said there in verse 21. And now we find as a result in verse 22, Behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, which means he is supposed to go to Jerusalem. That's where the Holy Spirit is leading him, him being inspired man of God. And the verse says there in verse 23, How the Holy, the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or await me. You think about the many trials and hardships the Apostle Paul faced. It's the same man who, if you remember, talks about one occasion that many times he's been whipped, many times he's been stoned, the been stoned, how he's been shipwrecked, how he's been destitute, how he's been naked, how he's been poor. He talks about also sometimes he has, how he has learned to be to abound and to be abased or to, to suffer need. But you think about all the things he mentions there in verses 17 through 23. He's telling them the truth, what they need to hear. The only bonds or afflictions await him. But we think about the sacrifices made. Look at verse 24. He says, But none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course of joy in the ministry, which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel, the grace of God. You think about that first phrase, some of these things move me. You think about what that means. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to suffer. He wasn't afraid to sacrifice his convenience. He wasn't afraid to sacrifice his time or his popularity. Think about before.
before the Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul, the Jews loved him. After his conversion, they hated him. He wasn't so popular anymore. They despised him. We find there also, he mentions there in verse 19, which uh, temptations and tears and temptations which be failing by the lying by the lying and weight of the Jews. Those who once were his acquaintances, right? He's not so popular anymore. He's willing to make those sacrifices. And we find here in verse 24 that he says, None of these things move me. Neither, do, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. None of those things are going to keep him from doing God's will, and he was going to keep on teaching and preaching. If you know much about the Apostle Paul, where did he do most of his teaching from? Through prison, through letters. None of those things moved him. Now, we hear people say sometimes, well, I'm not afraid. And that rarely is the case, isn't it? I'm not scared to go talk to this person or that person. And maybe, maybe they go and talk to this person or that person. But their words might change. The way that what they say might be lessened because they are actually afraid. The Apostle Paul did not seek out to make enemies, but the truth sometimes does just that. He does it there also in Galatians. He tells those in Galatians there to become your enemy because I tell you the truth. We was going to tell them the truth despite them not enjoying it. We have to be willing to serve others if we're going to be a servant of God. Service can come by helping others in need. Galatians 6 verse uh, 10 tells us, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Help everyone, especially members of the Lord's church, but everyone, right? We are to be those who serve others, to help others. And sometimes we read this and we think, well, we're talking about giving money to those who need it. That's not only we're talking about. Sometimes we help people by giving them our time. Sharing our talents, our abilities with them so we can help them in whatever need they may have. This isn't strictly a financial helping or assistance, but it's helping in any way we possibly can from those of the faith and those who are not. Service can also come by reaching out to the, to the lost with the gospel. Looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, You are the light of the world. Who is the ye? In verse 14, the Christian. The world is not the light. A non-Christian cannot be the light. You ever walk into their room and turn a flashlight off and thought, well, why isn't this working? Because it's not the light. A Christian walks in the room and it should be giving, that person should be shedding the light of God. Being an example of being a Christian and reaching out to those around them. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is something we have to be reminded of sometimes that he pictures here the Christians being this city that where you have all these lights, and he says you can't really hide that, can you? And we shouldn't hide our light either. When I was growing up, driving back and forth from one town, and coming back into Conway, you could see the lights of the Conway, Arkansas, see the lights of the city over the hill. Now at that time it was much smaller. But you can still see the lights coming over the hill. And thinking back and thinking about this verse and how those lights, there's nobody can hide that. You can see it from miles away, just that glow of light over the hill. 
Christians are to be the same way. We are to be those who do not hide our lives, but we allow it to shine brightly. He tells us next in verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give light unto all that are in the house. You know, it makes no sense to hide a light to defeat the purpose. The purpose is to remove the darkness. If we hide our light, can we remove darkness? No. I never walked into a room that's completely dark without any source of light, and all of a sudden, light just came in and the darkness was dispelled. It never happened. We have to be the light of the world around us. We have to be those who are not afraid to be a Christian no matter who is around us, no matter what's going on, what conversations are taking place, we can't be faithful to God only when it's convenient for us. Ways we can be a servant. There should be ways we can fail as a servant. One way we can, serve, we can fail as a servant is by being selfish, because a selfish person will not serve God. A selfish person will not serve God. Why is that? Because they're selfish. They're only concerned about me, myself, and I. They're not willing to sacrifice their time because, well, hey, I don't give anything of mine. I don't give up this or give up this or give up this because it's my time. It's my day. We, being selfish will cause us to, to fail as a servant. Being arrogant. An arrogant person is too good for service. Being a servant is beneath them. And we think sometimes, well, I'm being so successful in the world around, in the secular world, or maybe I have, I've been successful in other areas of life, and so I don't need to be a servant. Maybe we just think, you know what, let somebody else do it, because that's, you know, that's not for me. I'm too good for that, right? That's not what we find in the Bible. How many times do we find arrogance and pride and haughtiness just the book of Proverbs alone being condemned repeatedly, over and over again. We think about one of the most well-known Proverbs of all is, is what? Pride, you know, the, the haughty spirit was going to be what? Brought down low. Destruction comes to those who are proud. I'm butchering that verse, but we find that idea there in Proverbs, don't we? We find over and over again, if you were to go and search haughtiness or arrogance or pride in the book of Proverbs alone, that we don't find it other places because we do, we find condemned. How many times do we read the word stiff neck in the Bible? What's that talking about? Someone who's arrogant. Another way you can fail as a servant is being unprepared. An unprepared person will not know how to serve, not because they're ignorant, because they don't want to prepare for it. Being prepared actually takes effort, doesn't it? You know, if you go into your doctor's office and they're not prepared, and you're supposed to have some kind of procedure done, wouldn't you get a little uncomfortable? <coughs> we have to be those who are prepared. Prepared to serve God. We can become prepared by studying God's Word, learning all we can from it, and being those who are brave enough to reach out to those around us, not being arrogant, being humble in mind and not being selfish, realizing that there's only one way to lost or going to become saved, not by us talking to them and trying to interact with them. Some lessons for us to think about today. 
Sacrificial service is rewarded. Sacrificial service is rewarded. God has always blessed those who serve Him. Look at Psalm 68 and verse 19. He says, Bless the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Who daily loadeth us with benefits or blessings. Question. How often does it say He blesses us? Daily. You think about that word loaded us, or that phrase, what does that mean? Is that what I can picture someone carrying a big crate on their back and they're just loading stuff in the back of it? And you're being loaded down, having that big backpack and you just fill it all up. And that's the idea we find here in verse 19, isn't it? Daily he does what? He stuffs you with blessings. Daily he loads us loaded us with blessings. Even the God of our salvation, making no mistake of who gives those blessings to us. It's God. And going back to what we talked about a moment ago, we must realize that serving others allows your light to shine. The denominational world has taken this and ran with it and focused only on the idea of helping those in need or being benevolent. There's nothing wrong with being benevolent, we should be. But there's a whole lot more to being a Christian than being benevolent, isn't it? Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your life will shine before men that may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Is it a good work to help those who are in need? Yes. Is it a good work to help those who are hungry or thirsty or in need of some type of physical help? Yes. Is it wrong? To take those opportunities to reach out to them with the gospel? No. Before Christ fed the 4,000 and the 5,000, what did they hear? They heard a message, didn't they? What would they hear if they stayed close to the message again and again? See, he didn't just help those who were in need by meeting their physical need. He helped them by meeting their spiritual needs. Look there in verse 16. He says, Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good, but notice works is plural there, isn't it? Not just benevolence, but what? Our concern for them. This reaches back to our lesson last time. We want to reach out to the world around us if they know how much we care. We reach out to them. And our light shines to see how much we love them, how much we care for them. But through our works and through our words, they'll see how much God cares about them. Because benevolence can be destroyed if we don't use it to evangelize those we come in contact with. There's a reason we do the things the way that we do. Because the focus of any work is to help lost souls come to the truth. If it's not doing that, then there's no point in it. Yeah. We want to make them aware what the truth is so that they can have a chance to obey it. We can tell people and help them in all these different ways and have all these different groups and they'll be recovery is a very big thing for those who have addictions and struggles and those types of things. But are they helping people come to the truth? More often than not, they're not. They're not helping them come to the truth. And that's why those things 
be more of a hindrance than more of a service to the church. Because we're not helping people come to God, then we have lost our focus. We think about what it means to be a servant of God. We know being a servant of God means that He must come first. It means we must sacrifice our convenience, sacrifice our time, sacrifice our popularity. It means we must willing to be those who are not selfish, those who are not arrogant, those who are not unprepared. Because when it comes down to it, friends, there's only one thing. Man either serves God or himself. Either we serve God or we serve ourselves. Either we're concerned about only about me, myself, and I and what is going on in our life, and we forget about those around us who are dying in their sins. What would happen if Paul instead of writing letters to churches while he was in prison? Instead of just bemoaning the fact that he was in prison and never wrote anything because he was in prison? We wouldn't have much of the New Testament. Think about that. What if he just said, oh, woe is me, and never wrote a letter to anyone to try to encourage them? Or to caution them about their sin? You realize that most of his evangelism probably happened from prison? Most of his encouragement probably happened from prison? Most of his rebuke and exhortation and teaching, all those things, most of it probably happened from prison in written form? While he was suffering, you let your light shine wherever you find yourself, don't you? You know, Joseph did the same thing. Going to prison after, after being falsely accused of Potiphar's wife, his light shined there. Well, he light, his light shined while he was there with Potiphar as well, after he was sold by his brothers. It shines. In prison, it shines. Coming out of prison, it shines. Paul was no different. It shined from the day he was converted, moving forward. The apostles were the same way. Christ never said, you know what, this crowd's a little too tough for me. Let's go somewhere else. No, he let his light shine. And whoever would receive it, received it. Think about that phrase. He got his ears to hear, let him hear. What does that mean? The person who hears, let him understand. Right? Not just simply hearing the sound of someone's voice, but hearing and comprehending it. Him, he, has, he has ears to hear. He has ears to hear. Let him, let him hear. Let him understand that he is comprehending. We want to be those who comprehend and hear God's words. And a servant of God will not only do that, but also be willing to help others do the same. Because when it comes down to we either serve God or we serve ourselves. Either we serve God or we don't. You know, God has a plan for man's salvation. We find it throughout Scripture. The Bible tells us we have to hear the Word of God. We have to be those who listen and hear. And after we have heard the Word of God, we believe on that word, believe because of that word, believe because we have heard. We don't just believe, we don't, we don't, we're not just born saved or lost, and we have to hear it, and then we have to believe it. And we find there in Luke and also there in Acts chapter 2 that we are to repent of our sins based upon what we have heard, what we now believe. We hear about Christ, we believe Christ is the Son of God, that moves us to repent of our sins because we won't be right 
before God and be able to accept Christ, and that requires us to repent of our sins, and then to confess that Christ is the Son of God. And upon our hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, we are baptized. And as I said many times before, God's plan is the simplest of all. We can obey it any time that we so choose. So long as we follow God's plan, we will have heaven as our home. Because this plan doesn't stop at baptism, does it? No, it tells us we must live faithfully. Revelation 2 and verse 10, we often quote, We feel to death, I'll give you the crown of life. John 14, 15, You love me, you will keep my commandments. That's how we gain access to God. That's how we remain faithful to God. We can keep that access. As a Christian, sometimes we have to realize that we too will make mistakes. Just because we obey the gospel doesn't mean that we will not make mistakes. The Bible tells us when we make mistakes, we repent of those things. We find there, there in Acts 17, Luke 13, 3, and so on, where we have to repent of those things. And James tells us we confess our trespasses to one another, we can pray for one another that, our, that we may be healed. Remember what else it says there? The effective, perfect prayer, righteous man, developed much. It means we have the right people to pray for us. We ask for our brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for us. So that when we do sin, either we can pray to God on our, on our own, and if it's a public sin, we find mentioned numerous times in the Bible, we make sure we go forward and we have that correct. Because there's no good reason to miss heaven, is there? There's no good reason to miss a place that Christ tells us is he has prepared for us. A place where he is, that he is preparing to, that we may be there also. But friends, we want to be there. We want to have heaven as our home. We want to be a servant of God. We have to make sure that we follow God's design of servant. Being unselfish, being, not being arrogant, being prepared, being willing. Because only a servant of God can show someone the pathway to heaven. A non-Christian has little to offer anyone in ways of salvation. Because so many times their ideas are based upon either secular ideas, the worldly ideas, or based upon denominationalism. But a servant of God will reach to the Bible and help you and show you, and we have to say sometimes, book, chapter, and verse, all that we do and all that we say. Because that's what God did. If he gave commands so that we can have that book, chapter, verse, we can have that support for all that we do, including how we serve him. This morning, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way but to do so. Let's go to Sam Sing the song and sing the There's a great day.